Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. And we had a busy Tuesday in Flyers land because General Manager Chuck Fletcher and Assistant General Manager Brent Flair addressed the media talking all things offseason from the expansion draft to the entry draft, to free agency, to trade dialogue, and also organizational changes that will soon be announced. So a lot to discuss as a busy July picks up. Taryn, I'm gonna start with you. What was probably your biggest takeaway in terms of the discussion about the expansion draft and how the Flyers will will attack that and approach it? Well, it is interesting. Um, The one thing that stood out to me is that, like I think we all remember and we kind of, hit everybody like a wave back when free agency or um, trade deadline was coming up and Chuck was saying phones are, are, I'm calling people, I'm not getting a lot of calls back, whatever. And then when he's talking now about um, the summer and the trade market and the expansion draft and whatever, he said, there's a lot of calls coming out and I'm getting a lot of calls coming in, which means that, you know, I think everyone expected or really wants Chuck to, to make some moves this summer, but it makes you feel a little bit better about the possibility of um, making those moves. The fact that he said that that first round draft pick was, well, him him and Brent made me laugh because, you know, Chuck was like, yeah, I'd be willing to, you know, trade that pick if certain things made sense or whatever. And, and, you know, and Brent kind of clearly, and he made a joke about it that I would rather not retell and kill any funniness of it, um, where he was kind of like, yeah, and I would really like to hold on to that draft pick. So, um, it just, it, it is interesting and it's very reassuring to know that even though everything didn't go well, that, you know, Chuck's kind of, every time you see Chuck Fletcher, he's always at practice and he's always paying attention while holding a phone call, like in my experience with him. So I had no doubt that he's making a million calls a day, but it, it, it is nice to hear that there has been a swift chain from, you know, prior, uh, to the trade deadline when he was basically like, I'm getting stood up for the dance every time I ask somebody to come with me. Now he's got some people ringing his phone. The other thing, and I tweeted about this as a joke, but like, I genuinely do feel this way. When, when Brent Flair said, you know, it's been pretty highly publicized that there's not really a generational player in this draft. I was like, watch there, whoever gets selected at number 14 will go on to be like, the Bergeron or the Pasternak or one of those guys who didn't get selected right at the very top, you know, one to five spots who goes on and becomes like some wild talent. It just gives me anxiety immediately, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong there. It's just, as I said, when I tweeted it, it's it's probably just born and bred doom and gloom Philly sports fan where you're constantly looking over your shoulder. Uh, Whoever, whoever gets picked right after the flyer selection, wherever that may be, like if they make some trades or whatever, I will have their names circled on a roster for the next five years. And I'm just going to make sure to keep track of their point totals for the next five years. Yeah. I thought it was interesting too, how, um, you know, Chuck Fletcher noted how, you know, the Seattle Kraken do not have any cap pressures. Um, They're building from scratch, obviously. So they do have the flexibility to maybe take a really good player with a higher cap. So that could tell you that the Flyers are obviously going to probably put some players on there with higher caps uh, because that's a great, avenue to take in order to get cap relief um Chuck Fletcher did say he has talked to Ron Francis the GM of Seattle 
uh, numerous times. Um, I found it interesting that he said, he, you know, he has made them aware of if they're interested in a side deal or something of that nature in order to maybe spice things up or sweeten things up. Uh, they're open to that. But it sounded like that was more in Seattle's hands. If they, if they want to, if they see a player that they like and they maybe want to um, see if there's more there, uh, they'll approach the Flyers. But the Flyers are very comfortable submitting their lists and having Seattle take a look at it and then go from there. So protection list goes in July 17th. The expansion draft is July 21. So there's a little window there where maybe Seattle can look at their list and then see if they want to do something differently. Joe, what was one of your biggest takeaways from uh, all the discussion about the expansion draft and how the Flyers are going after it? Um, I, I will say the amount of times that Chuck mentioned about the difficulty of maneuvering in this, the flat cap era and how a lot of the things that are being discussed are dollar for dollar type moves. Um, I found that interesting because he brought it up a number of times. So, I mean, it's all stuff we know though, right? We know, we know that this is not a run of the mill type of NHL climate uh, in the off season. Um, not only with the expansion draft, but just teams inability to spend money. And that's why the flyers are in the position they're in because there's not a lot of teams willing to take on money. So, but I, I agree that the whole him pointing out that Seattle doesn't have any cap issues is interesting to me because that mean, leads me to believe there's been some discussions about things and maybe some of the, uh, the, the side type of deals that you uh, alluded to there that I, I think there could be, you know, there could be some stuff going on there with that. And also um, I found it particularly notable that he did not, jump to the defense of any of the players that are making the big salaries on the flyers. Um, there were a lot of questions about the guys that make a lot of money. Um, by my count, I don't believe any of their names were used during the presser. And there was never a point where he made it clear, Oh, we have to protect guy X or guy Y or guy Z. It was, they were just talked about like they were numbers. I don't really think that's what Chuck Fletcher's approach is normally. So I found that to be particularly interesting. Um, and he may be doing it just to n not to have something go viral and, you know, tip his hand at all. But in the past with this team, I feel like there's always been a rush to jump to the defense of the guys that are in the core of this team, like the, that are core guys on this team. And I didn't necessarily get that impression today. So I found that particularly interesting. And what Taryn mentioned about uh, Brett Flair mentioning there's not a generational player. To me, I hear that and I say, everything's on the table. They're, they're not, they don't value this pick to the point where they would not consider trading it. And I think him saying that definitively, uh, you know, that definitively, definitively makes that obvious that they say that. I mean, they said it in the, a lot in the draft that Nolan Patrick was into, that there wasn't a generational player. Um, I don't know that that's going to end up being true. Uh, it might be true of the top two picks in the draft, but, you know, there are other players in that draft that I think will be generational. So, you know, as Taryn mentioned, you kind of, Whatever they do, 
if they make a pick, you watch the pick after. If they trade the pick, you watch the pick that was, you know, taken with their selection. And you kind of hold on for dear life and hope that that guy does not become a generational player. Um, much like we've talked about on this podcast with Cole Caulfield. I was going to say, Cole, Cole Caulfield really made, like, this, this postseason a little bit, very, like, so fun to watch, but also just, like, makes me want to grind my teeth. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm like, and not to say that Cam York won't become something great for this team. I think it seems like he's got promise, but you're just, like, so quickly made such an impact, like, are you kidding? But it, it and, just and two, and, and, and we discussed like to make an impact in that city on in a Stanley Cup final run as a, a, a as a rookie is just. It, I mean, it's both of those Eastern the, the Eastern um, Canadian teams, the the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. It seems like those cities feast on their young, and a guy's career could be ruined very early there because of the amount of pressure. Now I understand the bell center was not packed during these playoffs, but look at what was outside of it. I mean, the pressure was there and for him to deliver with that kind of pressure on him, it does make you look back at that draft and you just hope that that doesn't happen with whatever the flyers decide to do um, in this coming draft, whether it be trade the pick, choose what, you know, choose, where they are, um, you don't want to constantly be looking at what could have been. But as Taryn mentioned earlier with the growing up a Philly fan, what could have been should be, you know, like when you fly in and you come in in Philly airport, there should be a sign <laughs> hanging that you walk through that says, welcome to Philadelphia. And then what could have been in quotes, because I feel like every team in the city Everyone does like, all the time. Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor and this guy and that guy and so and a and that Carson picture that they just took down at the link that's up there too. Like yeah, no. And, J- just, and Jason Tatum's face next to uh, yes. Markel Fultz and yes. you know those sorts of things. <laughs> yes, like it just it yeah it's I and I I don't want to turn this into another Canadians podcast because I know we talked about this I think the last podcast that I was on Jordan but yeah. like to Joe's point about feasting on their young, how many times were people ready to like have Mark Bergevin's head during last season? And then it's, it's players like Caulfield and, and certain guys turning it around. And all of a sudden they're in the Stanley Cup final and the entire, like, this is the one thing that, and I wanted to say it on one of the pre- previous podcasts because it's so true. Like when an SEC team makes it to the national title game, the entire SEC is like, well, that's our team. Like they might hate them, but they're, it's that SEC pride. It felt like that, but about Canada, when it came to the Canadians playing this, it was like, you know. You had the CN Tower in Toronto lit up in Montreal Canadian color. Like you, you have just like some of the saltiest rivalries of all time up there. And still it's just like, doesn't matter. There are guys. We're on their side. We're we're backing them, and it was very wild to watch. But yeah, it'll be it, like like Joe said. No matter what happens, it's if the Flyers trade that pick, and like there were a lot of context clues, and it, it's hard to tell also when you're not in person. Like, am I reading into this too much, or you know, were there just certain like lines that they wanted to use to pivot out of different answers? Because that is true. Like that does happen with front office guys. They'll have ways to pivot out of things. And 
in the process, they'll be repetitive about certain statements that either end up meeting a lot or end up not meeting anything. But it did really seem like they were not incredibly invested in that, that first round draft. It just doesn't seem like they are married to it, which I do think speaks to the fact that like they've gone young for forever. And I do think they need some proven people now, but it it was interesting because it, it just didn't seem um, overly emphasized. Whereas in the past it's, you know, we talk about this all the time. The Flyers were like the future, the future, the future, the future, the future for so long. And then the 2019, 2020 season, it's like the future is here. And then this season it was like, dude, the future wasn't what we thought it was. And now I think in order to prove that those moves did make sense back then and they will make sense in the long term, I think they need guys now. But that is what will be interesting about this whole expansion draft situation is that the way to get guys, the only way to get guys now, and it, it became pretty apparent the way Chuck, sorry, there's a button, the way Chuck was talking about it. The only way to get guys now is to have the money to do so. The only way to open up money to do so is to try to entice, I mean, Seattle more than anybody else to take some of your dollars, some of your players who equate big money. And it'll be interesting. I also found it kind of interesting when um, Jordan, you were actually the, the journalist who asked the question about like, have you talked to the guys you're not going to protect yet? And, and they said, no, like we've had, you know, I've had conversations with some people, but I, we haven't explicitly had that conversation of, Hey, you won't be protected. I, I mean, I would imagine it's still, there's still quite a few days before the expansion draft, but it does seem like, and I'm sure you don't want to tell a guy too, because you don't want certain things to, to leak. Like there is a science to some of these things. Um, but with the, it seemed like Chuck was pretty comfortable when talking about his protection lists. I know he would tell us, but it it didn't seem like he was like, it's going to be really hard. Like it seemed like he was pretty confident saying whenever he would talk about his protection lists. And so in my mind, I think he's probably had this list. They've probably had it locked in for at least a little while now. They probably have certain moves that he's working on and you know, the players still protect prior aren't a part of those moves and so on and so forth. Um, or they're part of the moves, but post-expansion draft, essentially. Um, but he hasn't talked to any of the players about it. Is makes sense to me from a, you don't want leaks. You don't, you know, you don't want certain guys written about in a certain way longer than it needs to be because I'm sure it's a like, look just the Shane Gossespierre saga like I think that was a really hard decision for the team and in the public he kind of got raked over the coals and then he came back and he played well um but that was just that was another thing that stood out to me where it's like I feel like he's probably had this list locked in from like right after the season ended um and I wonder when he will talk to those guys but that's just like a human curiosity side of everything. Karen to your point there too and Jordan I I Back to what I had said, something that stood out to me, and Taryn just kind of reinforced it a little bit. I felt like today, personal feelings about guys seem to be taken out of that press conference. And in the past, I felt like that was that Chuck was big on that. He was big on personal connections to certain players. And earlier when I mentioned him not mentioning guys by name or not really defending the guys that make big salaries – on this roster and then him mentioning that he hasn't talked to the people who they're going to leave exposed in response to your question there, Jordan, you know, if there seemed to be a lack of uh, 
human feeling, which I don't, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm saying that that is kind of your, it's almost like as a GM, you have to have, be a little bit cold blooded, right? The, 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 uh, the successful GMs in all sports are a little bit cold blooded and you, you hear the cliche all the time. It's business is business. And I felt like this at this press conference this morning, business was business. And I don't know that I always have felt that way when uh, Chuck Fletcher has addressed the media about uh, personnel moves. Yeah. And I, I think he was probably trying to keep things as general as possible instead of getting into specifics about big name guys that are expected to be exposed and he did say that he did have some conversations with some guys about the likelihood of their plans and that some guys probably had an idea of what the Flyers were going to do. Uh, one of those guys, I think, is cut and dry. You know, they probably had had conversations with is Jacob Voracek. One, mm -hmm. I think Voracek has warranted the right to have conversations with the GM about the future of him because he's been here 10 years. He's a name. He's one of their leadership guys. Um, so I have a feeling they probably have talked to Jacob Voracek, and we know that also from a report by Elliot Freeman of Sportsnet that they have had conversations with Jacob Voracek about a possible change at, for, for both sides. Um, and that probably starts with exposing Jacob Voracek in the expansion draft, leaving that big cap hit out there of $8.25 million. Um, and if it doesn't happen in the expansion draft, then maybe possibly looking at parting ways via trade over the course of the offseason so I would think that's one player that he has probably had a conversation about. Uh, but yeah, Fletcher definitely kept things close to the vest. It sounded like they had the expansion draft list, the protection list already set. Um, probably not written in stone yet because there are, it, there are about four days to go before they have to submit that list, but they're probably ready to go. And they, they have what their plans are. They had their pro scouts in town to uh, make sure everything was, was ready to go and that, that, that they came together and had the best list possible. But yeah, it's there's no hiding it. The Flyers have some some guys with some guys with term and some guys with money. And in order to get better in this cap, this flat cap world, you have to get cap relief. And it's just natural. It's the business of sports. When guys are older and they have they have a term and they have money to their names, you start to look to move them. And um, the expansion draft now is just a very interesting, fascinating thing in this season where you don't typically have an expansion draft. It's just a way to clear money and. Um, it's the business of it. But yeah, I found it very interesting, like Taryn said, and like you said, Joe, that he still will probably inform some guys. Obviously, the guys that they're exposing, there's a number of them, uh, from big name guys to guys that probably have only played a handful of games. So, you know, they'll probably go out and reach out to some of these, or if not most of them, and let them know, hey, here, here's why we did, you know, we are exposing you. A lot of them probably know they're being exposed and not protected, but um, just a very, another interesting element to it all. But, yeah, let's get into that draft pick, the number 13th overall draft pick. As you both have mentioned, that doesn't sound like the Flyers are really tied to that too tightly. Um, and I think it makes sense in a lot of ways. Uh, Taryn, what did you think about what they had to say about the number 13th overall pick being up, being out there on the table uh, for trade discussions? Uh, I personally am, a, like, when – wasn't surprising when we heard it. Like I kind of said before, they – I think, I think Chuck, and I think it's also to Joe's point about like in the past, Chuck has openly showed a lot of compassion to the point of defending his players in the midst of like their most rock bottom this past season. And you didn't um, exactly do that today. I think and to be fair to Chuck and this will all tie back into the, to the 13th spot answer. I promise. 
Um, Chuck is as personable as he is professional. So there's two sides to that coin where when, when I think when he really saw players on a very human level struggling, he was like, I am going to go out there and I will be the human shield. And he took a bunch of crap for it, to be fair. Like in a city like Philly too, people don't want to hear like the, the young guys are having a hard time being alone. Like, it's just not really what I think anywhere people buy into, but Chuck, I think he was the one who, you know, took that sword in that situation. And then I think when the team didn't turn it around and I think probably had very frank conversations with a lot of players, as you know, Jordan, you said, like, I'm sure he's had those conversations pretty early on where he alluded to the fact of, Hey, we're, this is in play and this might be what happens with you. And I we just want to give you a heads up, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's part of the side of it where you take the personable aspect of Chuck Fletcher and kind of put it away and then put on your professional hat. And I think today, because you're dealing with something where you can't really let the human emotions of a lot of things bleed in on some of this stuff. Um, I think that's why we saw the more professional side of Chuck. And I think that, that, that very frank answer about like, yeah, like we're not really married to this, this 13 spot, which he did not say, I am paraphrasing, but that was my, um, that is how I received his response uh, to that particular thing. Cause he, I mean, him even joking about like, Brent would like me to keep this pick. I am very open to trading it. Like, I thought that was very apparent. It became very apparent to me that like, Chuck's not really in this to mess around and, and to play games, not even publicly with us, the media, like he's just like, here's the deal. If I can get something worthwhile, that pick will go was kind of how I took it. And I, I think that's where I have a ton of respect for Chuck and I'm sure he learned it from his dad as well, is that at some point you just have to be like, here's the no BS of everything. This is how this is going to go. And that's what I took from it. And I think that's probably what's best for the Flyers future. I don't think he, I think the reason why he didn't say like straight up, we're probably going to trade that pick. I don't really care about it was because if they don't get a good trade for it, they won't trade it. And then it will look bad that he said that they were going to try to trade it. So I think he played that perfectly because if they can get something decent, I think you'll see that pick go. If they can get rid of Jake Borchek, I think you'll see that pick go to Seattle. Um, And if they can't, if the Flyers end up picking at 13, I think it's because there was a trade situation on the table that got taken off the table and Chuck didn't like if he could get to that 13th pick. That is my assessment of the situation. Karen, I would agree with that too, because he basically did every, he came right up to the line of saying, we're trying to trade the pick and did everything but say the words, you're trying to trade this pick. Um, Almost to the point where I felt like when Brett Flair answered the question about the pick and who would be there, it was almost like, yeah, this really, it it might not really matter that much who's there because the chip, that chip and that pick is more valuable in another capacity for this team, other than drafting a player at 13. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Gordon, how did you take all of that? Because I feel like, like, I, different things catch me different ways and then I'll talk to somebody else and they will have a massively different interpretation of the situation. I wonder, because you're probably like, and Joe, I think this is fair for both of us to say, George, you're probably the most like, 
like even keeled, I don't read too much into anything out of the three of us. What was your takeaway from the way Chuck addressed the expansion draft and the 13th overall pick and how he feels about the draft in general? Yeah, I thought two notable things were one, Chuck Fletcher did admit he probably would be more willing to move the pick compared to years past. And I think that's very obvious because the Flyers are in a spot where they need to get better um, by a lot for next season. Next season is highly important. They need to get better. So that pick is a great asset. Um, another notable thing I thought that he said was that they're going to want high value in return for that pick, not just a player that's going to help make them better next season, but make them better in the short term and the long term. So I think they will hold that pick in high regard. He called it a high value asset. So I will not be surprised at all if the Flyers hold on to that pick and make a selection. Um, and I will also say the three years now that I've known Chuck Fletcher and that we've talked to him about the NHL draft every single year, he has said that first round pick is in play. He's never once said, I'm not trading our first round pick. He has always said they will be willing to move it for the right price. But I will say this year, and he admitted that they will be more willing probably to move that pick in years past. And I think it's notable because um, this year, the draft is just so unique. It's so different. You both, know how different this, this draft is, there's going to be so much unknown across the board. They admitted, Brent Flair said, after the 8-9 range, there's going to be a ton of variance in the draft. There's going to be some guys that obviously teams like that haven't even, that these guys didn't even play this season. So there's going to be so much unknown that I think there will be a lot of intrigue in that 13th pick because there could be a team a little further back from them that might love a kid and they might have no idea what the Flyers feel about that, that player. Um, that they might be say, hey, we love this kid. Uh, we feel like he might go there and we want to move up. So I think the element of unknown with this draft makes that pick even more attractive of an asset. And the Flyers have all the reason to use that asset because they need to get better. So that's why this draft terrifies me, though. That yeah. is why, sorry, Joe. That is why, like, I said the thing that I said about there's no generational players and number 14 will be a generational player because of, you know, whatever. That's what scares me is because junior hockey, like, like hockey on all the prospect levels has been thrown so out of whack. So into the blender for the past two years. So you could have some wildly naturally gifted player who you have not seen fully, excuse me, develop and mature over the past two seasons who somebody like, to what you just said, Jordan, like somebody could feel like that kid is gold and everybody else is going to see him as gold. I, like they're going to know that to get him at 13 is a steal. Yeah. And it, and it wouldn't be people like us who know it, it would be those scouts whose job it is to go sit in rinks in regions across the country and Canada and Europe and so on and so forth. That is what terrifies me about this draft is we don't even really truly know. And, and to Brent's point, like he pointed out, we, we can kind of guess it was, it's very almost NFL draft like in the way he worded it is you can kind of guess one through eight, one through nine, you sort of know where they're going to go. Like maybe seven and eight are interchangeable for different teams and their needs and so on and so forth. But after that, it's, it's kind of the wild, wild West. It, it should be really interesting to see. I found it very interesting too. And Joe, I want, I want to get uh, your thoughts and Terrence's thoughts kind of shifting gears a little bit toward free agency, which of course opens in July on July 28th. Um, a very big time period for the Flyers. July to begin with is huge, but uh, when you think of expansion and entry draft, but also free agency. Um, 
I found it interesting that Chuck Fletcher said this summer's a lot like other summers. He's not treating it. I think he knows there is external pressure and maybe even a little internal pressure as well, given the season that they had, the, the previous offseason that they had. But he was treating it a lot like other summers. And he said what other summers are like is, listen, we want to be as competitive as possible next season and we want to get better and they know they have to. He called their goals against figure last year, which of course was the highest in the NHL. He called it ridiculous how many goals they, they gave up. So he knows the pressure, but he did say they want to be competitive next season, but they're also going to keep the future in mind. They're going to try to make moves um, with the future in mind and uh, not mortgage the future. So for those out there wanting Chuck, Chuck Fletcher just to do something, please do something. They're not going to jeopardize the club's future um, and all that they've worked at um, to, to really just get better next season. They're going to have the future in mind. I think that's just smart general imagining. Joe, what did you think of that? Do you feel like there maybe should be some more pressure on him to make a move more about next season and not the future? Well, you j- had just mentioned that they continue to say that next season is, is a big deal. Um, and he, going back to the draft, like the 13th pick is not going to help them next season. Yeah. That, that's not going to help next season's result by picking a guy at 13. So I'm not saying they don't value it, but what I'm saying is that 13th pick coupled with, you know, might be part of a deal to alleviate some cap space to be able to do something in free agency, which I think is more valuable than any of the stuff we're talking about here, because there's no flexibility within the roster as it currently stands because of these big contracts. So um, you know, you, you have to use the draft pick. I think the draft pick has to go in hand in hand with either trades or free agency uh, or both because you have to entice a team to take on a big deal. They're not just going to take it from you because, for example, Seattle, I mean, Dave Haxtell is familiar with almost everyone on the Flyers roster. And in particular, the guys that make the money, um, Voracek, Gostaspare, Giroux, he, he coached all these guys. I mean, he, he saw the best of the best from Ghost. So, um, you know, it's not like they're – you're not going to get one over on Seattle. No. And I'm not – you have a coach there that, that is very familiar with all these guys. So, but I, so I think that that pick will go hand-in-hand hand with free agency. Um, and, you know, I, I think – I think free agency is going to depend on if they can make a trade because we've talked about Seth Jones last week. We talked about some other trade uh, potential. And I mentioned John Klingberg from Dallas also entering the last year of his deal and pieces that might be out there. Um, And that might be the more attractive uh, pool because there's more guys and you may be able to, it may be able to help your team in a less difficult way than needing to clear up cap space to sign a guy like Dougie Hamilton and potentially overpay given the amount of suitors that will be in the mix for a guy like Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. It really is interesting how it all ties together. Like free agency ties together with trades and expansion ties together with trades and free agency because it really comes down so much to cap relief and can you make room for guys that you're looking to bring in? I think the Flyers have about 13 million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly and Puckpedia. Um, that's without, uh, you know, new free uh, restriction free agent uh, deals, guys that are RFAs getting new deals. So 
Um, we'll, we'll see how much wiggle room the Flyers have. And, and Taryn, uh, another thing to add into this busy offseason was the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher mentioning that they'll have a lot of staff changes. Obviously, they're looking for a new assistant head, uh, assistant head coach. Excuse me. They're looking for a new, a new assistant coach on their big club staff. They'll have two new assistants in Lehigh Valley under Ian LaPerriere. And it looks like they'll have some other changes within maybe scouting and stuff like that. Um, so they mentioned they worked a lot this summer uh, on their structure and what they want to do from a development standpoint to a staffing standpoint and just everything. I think Chuck Fletcher, Brent Flair, and them are really starting to put their imprint on the organization in year three now um, that they've taken over the team. So what did you make of that? It should be very interesting when these moves come out. They're going to announce them soon. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what moves they make. There were certain, like, just real brief comments about, like, you, you know, we're reevaluating the way we do some of our, like, conditioning and analytic, like, all of that stuff. And I've seen the way that they've done, and, and you know, all of us have up close and personal, the way that they do their their conditionings and their analysis just in terms of conditioning. So if you don't really love analytics and hockey, I think maybe you're a little bit behind and that's going to change no matter what. But if you can't argue with analytics when it comes to conditioning and seeing how much water guys lose and how much protein they need and what kind of workouts work for different players and so on and so forth. Um, and they monitor the past two years since, um, since Chuck and, and really since AV have gotten in there, they've, I mean, they have someone sitting at the end of the arena with a computer live monitoring everything. Um, and I've sat in on certain pregame skates for other teams, but I've only, I've been pretty limited in terms of sitting in on other teams, actual practices. So I'd love to know how common it is, the amount of just monitoring that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it'll be interesting because that was something as much as everybody talked about, like, talking about Ron being like restrict Ron Hextall I'm talking about being restrictive in terms of the nutritionists and this, that, and the next thing I noticed a kick up in terms of conditioning analytics once Chuck and AV took over. Um, so I'll be interested to see if there's some changes made there at all. Um, and then I, I just would love to see who Lappy puts on his staff as well, because I was at a charity golf tournament and talking to all the front office guys from Lehigh Valley and then talking to, to Ian LaPerriere. Um, and they could not be more excited to have Lappy there just in terms of like who he is, how he is as a coach, which is really, he's a very similar coach to the type of personality that he is. Like he's just very helpful and um, very relatable. I think he's, he's, his career speaks for itself and his toughness speaks for itself, certainly. But um I, I'd be interested to see who he puts on that staff. Um, I, I would be interested to see if there's some other former flyers on that staff as well, or some of Lappy's former teammates. Just, I don't know anything. It's just like an inkling that I have. Um, but uh, would the name Rick Tockett be uh, involved in that? Uh, oh, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, I think Rick wants a, wants a head coaching NHL yeah. job. I'm still shocked that Rick doesn't have a head coaching NHL job, but that's, yeah. I'm I biased because I just love Rick. I did see his name in the in, mentioned in, in terms of uh, being an assistant in Calgary, which is on, the only reason I bring up an assistant here. Um, and you mentioned Hextall. We should probably mention he brought Kerry Huffman out to Pittsburgh now too. So he's got a lot of flyers, too much for comfort, too much yeah. orange and black out there with the black and yellow for comfort yeah. uh, these days. It's, it's so annoying. I just, 
I, I mean, I have so much appreciation for Ron and what he means to the Flyers franchise, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, Ron, just like, just leave us alone. Just leave us alone. Just leave us alone. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, Jordan. I have no idea who, who, what, where, why, when will be changed. I know they said they would announce it soon, but they made it sound like they made a lot of changes. And so I kind of wonder, because I know there's quite a few positions that were vacated that they need to fill, but some of the stuff that they were touching on weren't specifically like Lappy, we, we, Joe and I had heard in the newsroom the one day, like Lappy is the coach you love and hate the most because 30 seconds after you get off the ice, he's tapping on the shoulder with an iPad saying, let me show you what you did wrong right here. So that, and it's helpful, but it's annoying, but they like, there's that guy on every team. It just so happens that Lappy was that guy on this team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they replace like he's the most likable guy to do that job. So I'll be interested to see how the next guy handles that job because it's, it's like being an internal auditor. Like it's just on its face, uh, an unfriendly job and people still love Lappy and the way he did it. So should be interesting. Yeah. Chuck Fletcher said it was a really busy all season behind the scenes. He said it, they spent about two months looking at everything um, in terms of their structure within the organization. Uh, he mentioned, from coaching to development, data, scouting, uh, they wanted to fix things. And I think, again, it's it's sort of people that are now in the organization, uh, new people, uh, really putting their imprint on things. It's now year three with Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair. Next season will be year three. Obviously, it will be year three with Elaine Vigneault. So I think they're really starting to put their imprint. And we're going to have to see how it looks and also what, it, um, what the results are. Um, it's great to hear the organization is being very proactive, but – Ultimately, it's going to come down to results. Um, and we're, was the teams uh, rebuilding and retooling everything behind the scenes? Will it produce results? Uh, time will tell. But it does sound like they've had a crazy offseason, and it's really just getting started in many ways. Joe and Taryn, as we heard, uh, Chuck Fletcher took um, more responsibility, uh, as he did at the, end of last, uh, at the end of the season in May. Uh, he said it starts with him. He called last season unacceptable. So I think they, they know uh, the pressure is on to get better this offseason, but I don't think they're changing course, whole, you know, wholesale, wholesale changes. Uh, that could come on the roster, but I think they know they still have a good foundation and they really believe uh, with normalcy and with a good offseason, they can kind of get back to where they want to be. But there was a lot of um, onus on Chuck Fletcher. He felt it. He explained it. Um, and it's a good segue into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. Should the Flyers trade that number 13 overall pick, their first round selection? Um, I think that's a very attractive asset. And I think it's going to be a fascinating balance of Chuck Fletcher thinking um, future, but also understanding the pressure now. Uh, that's going to, I think, be the story of the offseason for him is making sure they're not jeopardizing the future, um, but also understanding there is a pressure to make the team better next season. Joe, I'll start with you. Our Colbury check presented by Duncan. Should the Flyers trade that pick? I, I think they absolutely should trade it. Um, there's an element to this. of you, There needs to be some buzz created around this team heading into next season. Selecting anybody at the 13th pick does not create that. Trading the 13th pick as part of something bigger can create that. Um, and I'm pretty sure any big move they're going to have to make is going to involve – having to move that pick. So I think they absolutely should move the pick. I'm not saying move it for anything. I'm saying move it as part of a bigger plan um, because th this, th 
there needs to be a, an infusion of energy into this franchise right now, heading into next season. And I feel like the 13th pick combined with some other things is an avenue to doing just that, to, to kind of breathing some new life into uh, a franchise that, you know, it, I, would, I would say some would argue, and fans in particular would say, things have gotten a little stale lately. And um, I feel like any move that is going to ch- go, go a good way in changing that is going to need to include that 13th pick. So I, I, I say absolutely they have to trade the pick. Yeah, Taryn, how about you? I, I think um, it, 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 it makes it more of an attractive asset and also an asset to burn because, you know, it's not a top 10 pick, but it's high enough of a pick that it is going to be appealing to teams. And maybe you can, you know, convince yourself, hey, yeah, this is, the, this is the year to do it. And I'll say this, I think there's always an interest among the fan base in the draft and who the Flyers were getting in the first round. But I think this year – probably for the first time in a, in a while, I think there's going to be the least amount of interest in that pick among the fan base because they are so set on getting better now, whether it's a big splash in free agency or a big splash in the trade market. What do you think? How, how will they use that pick? Well, like we've, like we've talked about before, this year, especially more than ever with the flat cap and the expansion, picks and trades and free agency and expansion draft, everything is more tied into each other than it's ever been before. And I think that pick is is like the perfect size nugget to fit really, like you were just saying, Jordan, to fit into being okay with keeping it, being okay with trading it. But to Joe's point as well, and, um, and it is a thing that matters, is that I think you do have, you have to, from a fan base point of view, and I think probably within the locker room as well, you have to rejuvenate this team somehow. And your 13th overall pick this season is not like, there's not going to be a Connor McDavid at 13 knock on wood that I'm aware of. So, um, so for me, it's like this, this is a, yeah, no duh moment, but like you need Chuck Fletcher to be as aggressive as possible. You need him to do something with, I love Jake. I love working with Jake. I love interacting with Jake. And I think people underplay how much Jake contributed to the team point-wise this season. But I think you, you do need to try to do something with Jake because of that money or someone, anyone with that money. And I think it's probably Jake more than JVR right now. And I think you need to, the big names in this city have been like you, like Joe said, things have gotten a little bit stale. The big names have been the big names in the city for so long. And I think people have become so highly critical and kind of stale when it comes to that core. And I, I would imagine that Chuck is as aware as everyone else is that like with the amount of young talent you have on this team that yes, did underperform this past year, but no, I don't expect them to underperform at that level next season you can get a, a, a new big name in, if you can create some excitement about a new big name core and you can try to build something around that, you don't have to break everything that exists up because when the team was good, they were good as an ensemble. So it's not like you're breaking apart all of the important pieces. But I think if you make, if you shift some, some things around to, to update the big name core in some way, that's what you need to try to use that 13th overall pick to do. And it's not going to get it done by itself. It's I'm sure it's it's going to take some big movement, but like 
the Fletcher family is known to make big moves. Like Chuck's dad was a part of what, like a nine player trade or something wild like that back in the day. It's not like he's seen, he, he probably knows more than anyone else how seeing things eight steps ahead. But I think he needs to this year, quite frankly. I think he needs to. I think that holding on to that 13th pick will feel, at least in the immediate future, like a consolation prize for not making something else happen. And I just pray and hope to God that if they do get rid of it, that that 13th overall player just becomes like a solid dude who doesn't overly contribute moving forward because then I'm going to be like – so wrong in this situation, but I just think you've got to, you've got to like it stale is the best word. I think people have become stale. Like when it comes to the, the up and comers aren't up and comers anymore. They're now they're here. And the core isn't the, the stars that they used to be at least on the level that they used to be. And I think you need to brighten them up somehow. And, and I think big name's going to do it. If you guys can hear booming in the background, it's not you. It is me and my whoever is moving outside, by the way. So I apologize on behalf of that. They're like clanging heavy rocks together or something. I don't even know. It sounds like the Flyers' newest acquisition is moving into your complex, Terry. That could that could be. Oh it. my gosh. Can you imagine? Like it's got to be a punisher if you're making this much noise. It got to be huge. That'll get the fan base fired up. Just like a, a just like a baby pronger running through brick walls into my building. That would be great. I'd be really into that. Does Darian Hatcher have a kid? <laughs> I would just add, Jordan and Taryn, that um, what Taryn just mentioned there about the the, the staleness. Uh, it's not even so much that they've been the core for so long. It's been so long since they won anything. That's the bigger issue because. Tom Brady, I don't think anything got stale with New England with him because he kept winning. Um, You know, I don't think anything got stale with the Edmonton Oilers when Gretzky and those guys were there because they kept winning. Yeah. And you know what's a shame? Consistency combined with not winning produces staleness. And I think that's what we've gotten to here. Um, And also the point you mentioned, Taryn, I'm going to quote Al Morgani earlier in during the season with us in our newsroom players and Jordan and I have talked about this before on the podcast players like Travis Sanheim and those that group of players that came up under Hextall they we they have to stop being considered young guys they're not young guys they're not young anymore of experience and to keep saying they're young guys they're young guys I think people get tired of hearing young guys because then that just becomes a stigma over the organization to get these young guys and you're hearing about young guys for four and five years. Meanwhile, other teams, young guys are up and playing and contributing big time. I mean, we already talked about Cole Caulfield, but look at Kale McCarr. I mean, look across the league. It's a young guys league and young guys are in the NHL contributing to teams, not um, lingering in the minor leagues and and being talked about uh, by their by the, the front office of their teams as things that are still to come. They're here now. And that's, uh, I think, a bit of an issue with this franchise right now is the, well, a few years down the road or the future, you, at some point the future has to be now. Yeah. Well, and the, the tough part is, and, and Joe kind of touched on this, and I think it is kind of part of the big reason why it's like this 
something has to change with this core now is that the team has never really been bad enough that you justifiably blow up the core. We've talked about it over and over again. They are consistently the most inconsistent team in the history of all four major sports in all of North America. Make a playoff, miss a playoff, make a playoff, miss a playoff for 10 consecutive years. And so you always think it's like a toxic relationship. You're like, oh, nobody's changing. And then like something happens again. And it's one of those things where it's like at some point you do have to, to, I think, kind of cut bait with certain things and figure out that like there are greener pastures elsewhere. And yeah, it is nice sometimes, but it would be nice to be nice most of the time. And that's not really what we get right now. And, and that 13th pick in conjunction with, you know, one of those up and coming guys who's 24. So should really be in his prime like a, a, that pick with like maybe a young guy or, you know, if you can entice a Jake Voracek and use that money and spend a ton or whatever. I mean, we haven't even like you touched on Jordan earlier. Like we haven't even talked about restricted free agents. Like some of them have to get paid. Some of the like reality situation is like Sandheim. Sandheim's probably going to make a, a fair amount of cash. Like that's going to take a dent into the cap hit. So you're, I know we didn't have a great season last year, but he is a very attractive player to a lot of teams, just his raw abilities. So, you know, it's, there's a lot. And you have Sean Couturier looming after next season. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. Like we don't even, they, they need to budget. Like they're trying to buy a house in this housing market somewhere in the suburbs. Like they have to budget that hard right now to pay for Sean Couturier later, because I can't even imagine what he will fetch in other places and like, there's just, I'm all for like, use that 13th pick and go get yourself some cash or like a player or something. Go figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. Just I, th- I think, out. I think fans will share that sentiment with uh, Joe and Taryn. Um, and what's wild too is in sports, how fast things can change. Like I really thought they were starting to turn the page from stagnancy last season. Uh, and we saw it. They got a game away from the East final. Uh, you look at, they hired a head coach from within the division in Elaine Vigneault, total outsider. There are two main assistants that came in, total outsiders, even coached in Pittsburgh at one point. Uh, the GM that they hired, Chuck Fletcher, out, out organizational, uh, he was outside the organization. Uh, they brought guys in from outside the organization. And they really, I thought they were finally turning the page from like that stagnant stretch of like seven seasons. And then 2020, 2021 happens and, it really almost feels like they're kind of back to square one in terms of being stale again. And they're the Ross and Rachel of NHL teams. Will they, won't they, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? We don't know. Analogy. So I think that's this. Also- well, let's hope that it ends the way that that did because they did at the end. So hopefully that is the Stanley Cup. She didn't get on the plane to Paris. She didn't right. get on the plane to Paris. And then they have a baby. Like it, it's just, oh. We and then 20 years later, or 20, however many years later, they'll, they have a reunion. Yeah. yeah. And they admit that they like each other the whole time. It's just, yeah. everything comes full circle. All right. I drove this train off the track. No, it's okay. Once an episode, I have to drive the train off the tracks. That's what I got to do. So we will see. Uh, I don't think they're back at square one. It may feel like they are, but they do have a long ways to go. Uh, as Chuck Butcher mentioned, they allowed the most goals in hockey. They went from seventh to 31st. So that all that progress in 2019, 20, uh, they took a major step backward. They need to get going forward again, and it could take their biggest moves yet to get there. Uh, to close our cold brew check presented by Duncan, I will. I hate to be the bland one, but I feel like I'm 50-50. I feel like if they traded the pick, I would not be surprised at all. I feel like if they kept the pick, I would also be like, hey, maybe they just didn't get the value that they wanted, the long-term and short-term value in that trade that they wanted. 
so they kept it. We will, we will see, but that was the cold brew check presented by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. And that also is for next season too, and the offseason. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. But anyway, Joe and Taryn, great chatting with you guys. As always, a busy July ahead. And I cannot wait to talk about all of it with you. Expansion draft on July 21, the entry draft on July 23rd, 24th, and of course, free agency kicks off July 28th. So we'll have plenty to chat and plenty to dissect. But Joe Flores and Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Ben Barry, our podcast producer, a special thank you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.